Welcome, everyone, to this edition of the Politically Incorrect Podcast. I'm Jim Williams, your host. You know, today we're lucky. We have a wonderful guest. His name is Chris King. Chris is a very successful businessman out of Orlando. He is very philanthropic. He and his family uh, are also very community-oriented. He wants to be the next governor of the state of Florida. And he's a Democrat, and um, he's working hard to uh, to get your vote, as the old saying goes. And he just started his campaign a little over about two weeks ago. So, Chris, uh, welcome to the show. And uh, let's assume for the moment that no one knows who you are. Please give us the short version of who is Chris King. Absolutely. Uh, so, Jim, I am a new leader with fresh ideas, uh, mm-hmm. believing that uh, the time today in Florida calls for a whole different approach. Uh, I have built uh, businesses that are a reflection of my values. I've turned around companies. I have, uh, for the last 12 years, been creating safe, clean, and affordable housing across our state and across the country. And I will be arguing. Uh, the traditional political experience has gotten us into a lot of messes, and it's time that Florida really takes uh, new action and and uh, gives new leadership a chance um, to to drive our state forward. You know, Chris, um, growing up in the state of Florida as I did, uh, there wasn't a Republican governor in the state of Florida until 1968 when Clyde Kirk. Uh, got in uh, after the uh, situation at, with Disney at that time. And uh, then he was voted out, and uh, there wasn't another one until Bob Martinez flipped, uh, in literally and figuratively, depending upon politically how you look at it, um, during the Reagan administration. But since that time, and since the days of Lot and Childs, it's been tough to be a, a Democrat and uh, get elected to office of the governor in the state of Florida. Absolutely. Uh, the last time that we were successful at this, I was a freshman in high school. It was 94, as you remember. And <laughs> I do. I just barely uh, got by Jeb Bush in his second term. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I've been arguing um, as I've traveled across the state is we had some great Democratic governors. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I met the daughter of Governor Leroy Collins, who's one of my heroes, who was mm-hmm. the governor in the— 55 to 61, just just two days ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had, of course, Governor Reuben Askew uh, yep. in the 70s, uh, Bob Graham on environmental protection in the 80s, and Lawton mm-hmm. on, on, on affordable housing. And so for me, uh, who's kind of been a student of history and loved right. that, there is, a, there is a roadmap and a game plan moving forward by really reflecting on some of the legacies. Uh, but for us, our party, to your to your question, how do we win? How do we energize mm-hmm. our voters in a one percent state? Uh, to me, our the last five cycles, if they've taught us anything, they've taught us that we are not serving the electorate a vision mm-hmm. and a an authentic candidate that is getting folks excited. And we've got to do it differently in this next election. You know, one of the interesting things to me, certainly in this. Uh situation with regard to the Florida legislature at present, there's even uh, a schism at the moment in the Republican Party. I mean, sure. you know, you've got 
Governor Scott, and he can't get along with the the House. He can't get along with the Senate. There's there's uh, there's agendas, I guess the best way to put it, uh, within the Republican Party in the state of Florida that literally, you know, have them fighting amongst themselves. Jim, I think most observers of of Florida politics and government right now would agree that it is one of the most toxic times in Florida history as it relates to to service in the state capitol. I was there last week meeting with uh, the House Caucus, the Black Caucus, uh, traditional um, uh, uh, folks who have served in that uh, in the state capitol for years and advocated for different causes. And it is a mess. Uh, We have one party that controls everything. That party at the present moment can't get along. uh, And there seems to be no longer any incentive uh, to think big, think outside the box, um, and and address the needs of real people in Florida. Uh, There may be one idea that survives this session as it relates to the reservoir in South Florida, but I think it's still too early to tell what damage the house might do to that. Chris, Florida is one of the places it could be called ground zero for the Affordable Care Act, a.k.a. Obamacare. And uh, just curious to find out as you um, campaign out there, how are the citizens of Florida that you're talking to handling what's going on in Washington and in Florida uh, as it pertains to the Affordable Care Act and its future? Sure. This This is a state with big problems right now. When I'm out talking to folks, you know, we've Mm -hmm. got an affordable housing crisis, and our Mm -hmm. leaders in Tallahassee have responded to it by raiding $1.7 billion from the housing trust fund that Governor Childs started over the last 15 years. We've got Mm -hmm. 2.6 Floridians that don't have access to a doctor who knows their name. We we are dead last uh, in the country on caring for people with mental illness. Uh, Our teachers of the 15 most populated states are highest in their levels of dissatisfaction, and we're watching it in teacher shortages and retention rates all over the state. So we've got big issues, but our leaders in Tallahassee really have no incentive because we haven't had a governor who's been able to push them to address the big issues. So we do small ball after small ball, and and we've got good examples of that in this session with something like Stand Your Ground, uh, which I would argue what we're doing is making a bad law worse. And so... Uh, I think that this election, for those of us running on the Democratic side of things, has got to be a real opportunity. We have got to make a case that this is not working, and we've got to put fresh ideas on the table um, to give people hope that it can work better. You know, you're talking about guys like Ruben Askew and uh, and Bob Graham, two people that I, I knew very well, and, uh, you know, they were people who could work across the aisle. You know, sure. they they didn't have problems. But, you know, I guess, Chris, from the situation, from your situation, do you think if you were to become governor, could you work across the aisle with Republicans? Or is the situation in the state right now so toxic that it's impossible to do that? I think for me to be successful, I would have to be. And I think what I have to argue and demonstrate is that my life uh, lends itself to building bridges with people that think differently. I Mm -hmm. I live and work amongst lots and lots of Republicans. There are lots of Republicans that are going to be supporting 
my campaign. I've been a lifelong Democrat. I am a progressive, um, mm-hmm. but I believe it's going to be very important to – and my, my signature issue, and you, you've already followed this, so you know, is going to be rebuilding an economy that, uh, that, that fosters homegrown business, not luring out-of-state corporations, but homegrown business mm-hmm. that pay jobs and support families. And those should be issues that Republicans and conservatives uh, can we, – we, we should be able to find common ground on those type of issues. Absolutely. You know, Chris, another thing that's um, very big in the state of Florida is women's issues. And sure. it seems as if, um, you know, the, the government is getting into the women's issue business pretty intensely. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of women in the state of Florida who are somewhat afraid of what uh, the future may hold in the state um, going forward if, uh, if things get more conservative. I, 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 where we're seeing some of, I think, the greatest levels of activism post-Donald Trump uh, being elected, where we're seeing some incredible leadership here, at least in Central Florida, is coming out of the women's movement. My wife uh, marched in Washington with my eight-year-old daughter, Mary Grace, uh, mm-hmm. you know, when we had the big march on Washington mm-hmm. uh, after the inauguration. Um, you know, whether we're talking about uh, women's access to health care, and reproductive freedoms, whether we're talking about pay, whether we're talking about a governor and a new leader who is going to build, uh, remember this is a position, as you know well, that that will appoint 4,000 leaders of Mm -hmm. law, business, and environment. And uh, how we're building this campaign is how we'll be rebuilding our government. And uh, you will see uh, very strong uh, women uh, in in all areas of the government that I that I lead. Hey, Chris, are you encouraged at all by seeing how many people are going out to these town hall meetings for the legislature, um, you know, congressmen? And you know, I talked to Charlie Chris, and yeah. and he was uh, he was telling me that uh, he certainly saw more than his share of people out there. And uh, Gus Bilarakis, I mean, both Republicans and Democrats, when they come home to sit down and start talking about town hall, they used to get maybe, you know, if they got 100 people, they'd be happy. Uh, now they're getting, you know, 1,000 people, and a lot of people are very angry. And, and uh, that resistance, um, is that something that uh, you think can translate it into votes for you, um, you know, as you continue to uh, foster your campaign? Sure. I, I think I'm just one, one example of it. Uh, look, I'm a, I'm a guy that leads a business, leads a foundation that, that is 38 years old. I have three small children. Um, I like the life I was living. Uh, I'm, I'm, I feel very fulfilled and feel like I'm doing meaningful work. But ultimately, I made the decision that I think a lot of these folks that are now running for office, that are coming to these meetings, whether it's the CRC or the, the, uh, the congressional you know, town halls, that I can't just defer or default uh, to the current leadership anymore. If I really, I'm a third generation, you said you were a native Floridian, mm-hmm. if I really care about the future of the state that I'm so invested in, I can't. it can't always be somebody else's job to fix it. And uh, my generation, I think, I think what we're going to witness, perhaps the, 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 the Trump, uh, the, the, um, thing that may come from the Trump years we'll be talking about for decades is the explosion of new leaders 
uh, they come out of the woodwork with a vision uh, that's more progressive, more compassionate, uh, more civil, <laughs> and I hope that I'm one example of that. Well, you know, um, you live right there in the uh, I-4 corridor. That's where we, of course, uh, with our WWBA in uh, in Tampa Bay area and WIXC in the Orlando-Melbourne area, we like to say that we cover you from the uh, Gulf of Mexico to the Atlantic Ocean. And, uh, you know, the I-4 corridor has been, and you know this, you're, and I both are part of that corridor. Um, that's been one of the, that's kind of like the line of demarcation with regard to people who get elected. Um, what do you see uh, as you test the waters there early on in your campaign on the I-4 corridor? Well, there, uh, the I-4 corridor is, is once again going to be very important, and I will also I also believe that my community, Central Florida, uh, you know, mm -hmm. I think I will be the first candidate. Um, we're not exactly sure uh, when the last candidate was, but the first kind of candidate to come out of this area in decades and decades, and mm -hmm. just at the very same time that this community is really showing its strength. And um, of course, in the 16 election, you know, Orange and Osceola. Uh, mm -hmm. We're very powerful for our, our Democratic nominee. So I think that um, you will find that I will spend and already have spent a lot of time in Orange and Osceola and Seminole and, and of course, Brevard and Volusia, but I'll, I'll be over quite a bit in P Pinellas and Hillsborough. I think mm -hmm. that my message um, and the message of rebuilding an economy that's more fair, uh, where 45% of our jobs that make less than $15 an hour is simply not cutting it, and we're no longer saying that's the state we want to we want to be. I think that that message should should very much resonate in uh, the, the corridor. Chris, one last thing. I know it's um, we're getting down here to the the weekend, and you've only been in this uh, business now f of the campaigning for a couple weeks. Um, what are some of the things that you're beginning to find out as a first-time candidate, uh, the upside, the downside in, in such a short sample size? Um, you know, I think, um, I think what's been an encouragement to me is the number of people who are open to a whole new way of doing it. You know, because for someone like me, that's the only way this is going to be possible. Uh, mm -hmm. are, are folks really open uh, to flipping the script on Florida and, and doing things in a different way and allowing folks to have the chance um, to, to uh, dream again and, and to forge a new vision. So I've been very encouraged at the level of openness, and I think that's partly the, the world we're living in right now with Trump and Scott, mm -hmm. that folks just are so desperate for something new and different that can win. Um, you know, I think, I think the challenge is, Jim, is that this is an enormous state and incredibly diverse. Mm -hmm. And I think the challenge for any newcomer candidate, and pretty much all of the Democrats right now have very low name, name ID in the state, is you know, to be at about 10 places at once. Um, you know, I have, I have much work to do in, uh, in Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm, and I've already spent a good deal of time there. I've got much work to do in, in uh, Tampa Bay. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, I've found myself, I think one of the things I've seen is that I am also being asked to be a healer in some respects. Mm -hmm. In other words, there's a lot of hurt feeling in different communities 
from the way that our party or our nominees um, have run races in the past. Um, mm-hmm. And my job is to hear those hurts and to build healthier relationships uh, with certain communities right from the beginning. And I think that's the challenge uh, for all of all of the candidates. You know, uh, one of the things you're talking about right there is um, is part of the problem that uh, the Democratic Party's had, and that's there's been a lot of people who felt that they've been left behind. And sure. um, you know, what you're attempting to do here is a good opportunity to to start that healing process and. Um, We'll see how it all works. How can we uh, follow you on social media? Because everybody wants to get your Twitter handle and sure. uh, and follow follow the campaign. Give us your uh, Twitter handle, social media, and every any other way we can get in touch with you. Absolutely. So our website, of course, is chriskingforflorida.com. dot uh, com. Our our Twitter Twitter handle uh, is at chriskingfl. And of course, we're on uh, Facebook as well, um, and uh, we are we are trying to really communicate um, pretty much every day with folks on where we are, where we'll be speaking, where we'll be serving. Today, I served with my family at the Orlando Union Rescue Mission here in Orlando on Good Friday, and so folks that want to keep up with us, that's a wonderful, wonderful way to do that. Well, that brings to a close yet another edition of the Politically Incorrect podcast, and by the way, if you haven't subscribed yet uh, to the podcast, it's very simple to do. All you have to do is go to iTunes, the Google Play Store, right here on Blog Talk Radio, or, of course, at NewsTalkFlorida.com. That's NewsTalkFlorida.com. Any one of those four places, and you can subscribe or listen to the Politically Incorrect podcast. Well, we'd like to thank our guest, Chris King, who joined us today. Chris is, of course, running for governor of the state of Florida. We wish him well, and no doubt we'll talk to him many times before the election in 2018. Until next time, we hope that you have a wonderful and a safe holiday weekend. I'm Jim Williams. This is the Politically Incorrect Podcast. 